Good evening, or good morning. <laughs> this is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics of conversation will include ghosts and the paranormal and psychic ability. We also discuss truthful things in addition to those truthful things. So my truth is that I am an incest and rape survivor, and I talk about it on the podcast sometimes. Main topics of focus will be psychic phenomena, uh, inheriting it like I did from my ancestors, and also having a unique capacity. For example, one of my sisters can read palms. She sees images and palms, things of this nature. Theology, uh, agnosticism, atheism, uh, Buddhism, my flavor. There is Christianity. I was abused in a Mormon foster home in addition to the abuse I experienced in my family before the foster home. Sometimes Christianity can be emotionally triggering for me, and also there's some uh, accountability, I think, that Christianity has to face with some things like the Crusades and the like. So, uh, although religion, yeah, let's just talk about religion globally. That's a big concept. Other concepts, uh, willful education, 12-step, kink, recovery, not here on the podcast, but uh, elsewhere. These topics, some of them can be triggering. Please use your discernment in deciding whether or not that's going to be your cup of tea tonight or uh, what have you. Tonight I'm doing some basic black tea with a little lemon and a little little bit of mint uh, mixed in. So if mental health stuff is kicking up for you, please consider talking to a licensed board certified therapist. Uh, that is not me. Um, if you can't afford a board certified therapist, there's a couple 1-800 numbers in my, my notes. Uh, use your discernment, caveat emptor. Lots of solutions, lots of help out there. In my experience, a lot of times healing is just showing up and trying consistently a little bit every day for years. Yeah. <laughs> it's cumulative. It's aggregate. And it takes a little time sometimes, at least for me it did, uh, or it does today. So those are some options to reach out for. Um, I am a 12-stepper. 12-step will be discussed here as well. <laughs> okay. Did that, did that. I got a website. You know what? Check that out. Uh, anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. That's one place you can go check out. You can download stuff. You can take a look at the notes. You can give me some money. I'd like that. <laughs> did I round that out? Yeah, you can go check that out. Anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. That's my stuff. And, uh, um, Donating to me would be a great way to connect. I've considered, I'm considering doing uh, consultations or one-on-one -on -one chats where you just pay for my time. We talk about the topics, some of the topics here. Uh, we have boundaries. We say yes or no, what have you. I don't know. It might be kind of fun. I've been thinking about that for a year or two. You could tell by the import of my the way I'm pushing it so aggressively with my salesperson's technique that it's really a high priority for me to... Well, I want to be available. I do meditate every day. It's just being available to other people. That's something I got to negotiate sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Um, are we all the way in? I think so. Hey, come on in. Hey, welcome to the house on Valencia Street tonight. It's kind of nice tonight. Whew. Um, sometimes when you're trying to create art, it works. And sometimes when you're trying to create art, create art, it just feels like you're going through mud. And then you listen to it later and you go, nah. You know what I mean? So I'm re-recording my weekly podcast again. because. Uh, this feels better. I feel cleaner and crisper and in a better space today. Um, let's see. Oh, the house on Valencia Street is a haunted house that I lived in growing up and from my childhood to my early teens. My mama, Darlene, rented the place and it was haunted as fuck. Okay. 
We just got to talk in details about that ghost in the last couple of years because I've been researching it with this podcast and we just really haven't talked about the details. And we learned in the last couple of years, same room, same behavior, uh, same physical characteristics, same haircut, same eye color, you know, that type of thing. And well, I don't know. I could tell it was blue. I don't know if she could tell, but his eyes were scary blue. Yeah. So we got some of that confirmed and I'm really grateful that whatever, you know, uh, lit up a bee in my bonnet or, you know, bee under my butt to get me moving on this. Got got a few more details. So I know a little bit more about her experience at the house since Mama has died. One thing is kind of difficult about trying to research this place that kind of haunts you after you've been through it and you sit there and go, that was a portal. Something's going on there. Something bad happened there. I don't have words for it. Uh, <laughs> and part of this process researching here is learning a dialect and a language to evaluate what that context was. You know, contextually, it was a very strange thing for a child uh, and still as an adult 40, you know, 40, 30, 50 years later. I meditate every day and um, the last couple of years, my my uh, pattern of has been really consistent and it's been a godsend uh, in lots of ways. Yeah, figuratively, literally. After I sit for 15 to 20 minutes and meditate to get my day going so that I kind of get grounded from a place of spirit to start making decisions with my day. I'll spend some time just listening to silence. Sometimes it's just the air conditioner. Well, I don't have an air conditioner, the heater. Yeah, the refrigerator humming. Something quiet that gives you some space to hear, right? And in those places, if you're open and receptive and listening and paying attention to how you feel, that's a big one, paying attention to how you feel and adjusting and going, I have some options and I'm not trapped and I can choose something different or I can have a boundary or, you know, it's hard sometimes to flex those muscles when you're, tra you're trained for years a different way, right? I had a really good meditation session about this last week or two and mom piped up. Sometimes when I'm doing this work, there'll be lots of clean, quiet time where there's just kind of nuances and then sometimes just streams of information will start pouring through and you better have a recording device or a pen and paper to get it down. And sometimes just perceiving the content is hard enough. Just mechanically trying to get it down is difficult, you know. So I got to remember to find a microphone or, or get a pen and paper because I may not be able to keep up with all the information coming out. So that was what this was. That's what this was. So I'm going to go through some of the concepts that I experienced while channeling after a meditation in the last couple of weeks from my ancestor, Darlene, who's my mama. My mom is the one who rented the house on Valencia Street. I have mechanical questions about why the place was so cheap to rent. I have mechanical questions about why the shed in the back was locked with all those padlocks, see? And I still think about those things and there's no answers, you know, and there, there may never be an answer. And even if my sisters are still haunted by this and I am, it's like, I want to know definitively, you know, they won't want that to be answered. What follows, uh, take what you'd like, leave the rest. This is my perception of me connecting to my ancestor, my mama. You may not agree with that. You may not relate to your ancestors the same way. That's okay. This is just one person's perspective. I was sitting quietly and just asking questions about the house and then mom chirped up. And so here's the first concept. The landlord knew bad stuff had happened there. It was easier for them to rent it cheap as is than deal with cleaning up, detached-like. Maybe he didn't spiritually want the consequence of earning money from harm to women and children. The landlord had guilt and knowledge, but was not the perpetrator. Now pause. So the first concept she's saying is, 
that landlord in her perception from her perspective on the other side at this time and maybe some way on this side although she was in a shit storm at the time um i guess this first concept is that mom is saying that she knew she sensed that the landlord that she was renting from understood there were some problems with the property and that's why he was renting it cheap to her this concept or this thought that she sent me is saying he knew he knew something was wrong there although he wasn't going to go into it anyone that did wasn't going to own anything on it he was just going to say if you want that place i'll give it to you cheap yeah kind of thing so that's the first concept second concept here and this she says she he was a veteran and he was pretty messed up from the war mom says uh i knew it would be weird but i was desperate i was fresh from the funny farm <laughs> mama said the phrase funny farm i'm gonna pause we don't say funny farm these days it's considered a, a slant or a derogatory phrase for people who have mental health issue uh but she's like i was fresh from the funny farm and so i was right out and i just needed i was desperate i was desperate for a place so that's what she was saying there um this is the time so i'm gonna pause on this concept uh mom went to spokane washington to stay at a mental health uh, institution uh the cause was howard was beating her into the hospital uh she had dynamic emotions but she was repeatedly being beaten into the hospital and everybody was just fine with it okay that was the cause of her going into that mental health institute okay further they chose a city that was removed from walla walla okay spokane was a couple hours like an hour or two away okay why did they do that uh i think it's because she had some injuries i'm not sure but usually when they're putting someone in a different city to get a mental health thing or to get a medical thing it's because they don't want that person seen in their own city and there's reasons why right so anyway so the second concept she said was that she got the sense at least from where she's at there's an uncle of the landlord uh, was a korean war veteran he was shell-shocked when he came back uh, she knew that the place was going to be strange but she was desperate for a place and she was fresh out of the funny farm she was going to take anything that's what the, the concept she gave me there uh, i checked and verified this the korean war ended in 1953 okay and we were living there in the mid to late 70s early 80s right so uh this would that would have been a decade or two the, the korean war uh finished up about 20 years before that 20 30 years before that she described the place that we stayed at valencia street house as a respite from howard's fists a respite from howard's fists that's how she described that one uh this is a kind of this next concept she gave to me i i don't have verification on this and i was gone for several months in the summer at least three or four months in the summer so this might have occurred while i was gone but i think it's a dislocation she's talking about here she said this to me he broke my jaw you didn't see that maybe you blanked i couldn't work he messed me up so that's uh pause that's my channeled mama telling me that howard had punched her enough to break her jaw thing is i think i think this is a dislocation because mom didn't have um scars on her face from the jaw um the concept that howard would use is similar to the concept that is executed in the movie the grifters if you've seen the movie the grifters with john cusack annette benning and uh angelica houston she's working from some for some pretty shady people 
Angelica Houston. So Angelica Houston goes to her boss and she has failed. She was working at the racetrack and I'm going to pause as a psychic, as a kid, Rachel Sophia used to take me to Playfair in Spokane and I would pick the winners and she'd make money. So that happened a few times when I was 14 and 15 years old in Spokane. But Angelica Houston and my daddy was a gambling addict and my daddy was in prison for selling fonts, fenced goods in his pawn shop. So, and he worked at the, he was at the swap meets selling coins and, and, you know, valuable goods that way. Um, I could still feel those big aluminum display cases that we'd have to haul out of the car. The corners were really sharp. I would cut myself on the corners because they were these sharp aluminum cases with glass on the front. And it was plexiglass. It was scra scratched up because he'd stack them all up and they were display cases and you prop them up on these folding tables on a, on a, uh, an asphalt fucking swap meet Saturday. Your, your weekends were always eating crappy egg McMuffins from some kind of knockoff McDonald's and sitting in a parking lot with being told to sell things and that if you sold things wrong he would humiliate you and scream at you he did that to me repeatedly he wouldn't give you enough information you'd fail and then he'd scream at you that was my father <laughs> yeah that guy anyway and he was charming as hell he could make a deal he was good salesman that one uh, mama the last time we were recording a video about that she referred to dad as the traveling salesman traveling salesman yeah yeah that one uh although his intention he didn't have a pure intention in his heart <laughs> uh, although does a traveling salesman have good intention i don't know that's a good question all right let's get back to this uh channeled information these concepts that she channeled to me said that uh she was ha glad to have the house because she could get away from howard beating her even if it was fucked up and haunted at least uh howard wasn't beating her uh, she told me in this channel that uh, he damaged her jaw and that's why she had to go to a different city and go to a mental institution for a couple months. But part of it was that she was physically disfigured or she had talk problems talking uh, because he had fucked up her jaw, beaten her. And I saw him beat her and draw blood on her so repeatedly, at least when I was a kid. So uh, I, be I believe that there's something going on there. I was gone for about three or four months there that one summer. And a lot of it, there's big chunks that are blank, but I'm only, you know, four or five, six years old with some of these memories. So that may or may not be the case. Uh, there was a, there was a, a period of time where I was gone from mom for about three or four months that might've happened. So next up, this is about Howard. He was a terror. That house was what I could find desperate like. We could find better. Where we were wasn't so important. You're fun to hang around. I like watching you hatch your projects. <laughs> You're very creative. We don't always agree, although I always love you. And then she quotes an old uh, bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. That was her way of telling me she loved me. Yeah. And then I said, Ma, you're weird. I said that to her because we, you know, she was weird and I was weird. We were kind of like uh, funky rejects from the Adams family. But, you know, I, that's what it was. That's what 12-step is. That's what kink and BDSM is. That's what a lot of these fringe groups, you know, all comers or most comers are welcome. You got to follow a set of boundaries and an ethic. But if you can follow those boundaries, come on into the freak show. Anyway, so I said, Ma, you're a fucking weirdo. I, well, I didn't say that to her. <clears throat> I said, you're kind of, you're a weirdo. And she goes, me? A weirdo? You descend from a long line of weirdos. You're the queen of the weirdos. 
<laughs> and then to end this channeling session, because we're weirdos, as I, that example, that concept was given to me by my mama. She laughed at me and one of the concepts mom would frequently tell me to justify her poor actions. Well, to justify the shitty situation we were in sometimes. Uh, and also because it's partially true. The, both things can be true. Um, she'd say, you know, honey, you choose your parents on the other side before you come over. You make a contract, you know. And I'd say, no, no, mama, that's not the truth. You choose your, you choose your children. That's what I hear. You choose your children. You don't choose your parents. And then we'd laugh. And then she'd go, no, you choose your parent. And then we'd go back and forth. And I'd say, well, I don't know about that. And, and I'm like, you know, can I choose my parents now? What the? <laughs> I remember I went through a phase of thinking I was adopted. And I went through a phase as a preteen of staring up at the stars and saying I was from the stars and saying that my soul came from another planet. And there was a constellation and there was a planet in the constellation. And I would point to that and say it's in the belt of Orion. And it's the second over from the third rock in the belt. And I'd say, that's where I'm from, you know. <laughs> now that being the case, I'm going to pause. I was also watching Starman. Starman, the movie with Jeff Bridges. was on, And it was like when I was watching that movie, I was going, oh my God, that explains everything. And in some ways it did. So that may have influenced that concept. It may have also been that we are multidimensional and multi-spirit beings with multiple lives and that maybe I lived on another planet. That's also a concept. All right, the last thing that mom said during this channeled experience, we have a couple inside jokes. And by the way, I'm gonna pause. If you love people that are living on the side of living, make some agreements, make some concept agreements. Uh, for example, one of my friends, we have a word that's gonna be our word if she dies or I die and we go to a psychic. It's an unusual word. It's nothing like we use these days, but we understand why we use that word. And um, it's going to be something we say, you know, to confirm that it's us on the other side if we're talking through a psychic or a medium. Make a couple agreements like that with people you love. Yeah, I'd do that if I was you. Just to give you something to go by. And also write it down somewhere. Yeah, uh, maybe get it so somebody has a witness to it. Just, just, just an option, spiritual option here. The last concept I'll offer is uh, I want to thank the writers at Conan O'Brien. And I want to thank Conan O'Brien because about, oh, 25, 20 years ago when Conan O'Brien was real big, late, late, late night, because my family is all late night out. We're all night owls. Most of us are all night owls. And I'll pause. That's also an issue with uh, abuse survivors uh, because they'll get you when you're sleeping. One of my cousins was raped. She woke up being raped in the military. So you don't sleep after that. You just don't sleep after that, you know, and actually it's real common with incest and rape survivors and abuse survivors to not sleep because commonly the abusers will get you when you're vulnerable and sleeping. So your sleep goes out the window because you become hypervigilant to avoid abuse, right? It's part of it. Also, we're just night owls. You know, I can get really, I, I the AI scripting work I'm doing to pay my rent these days. I do most of my work at one or two or three in the morning just because that's when my brain is up and it's quiet. You know, and my weird neighbors aren't as visibly <clears throat> um, uh, interfering with my appreciation of this property. Um, the last concept was from Conan O'Brien. Uh, one of the rituals that mom and I would do is uh, I wanted to be a comedian and I was kind of a comedian, although it was also being a gesture to avoid abuse, right? Make the king happy so he won't execute anybody today, right? 
I would call mom and tell her about the late night shows because she wouldn't watch the late night shows. And then I'd explain some of the jokes on the shows. And so this was our ritual. And I'd explain them to her and she'd laugh and laugh. And then she'd tell me about some of the comedians she liked. There were a couple of really old comedians, old skills that she would quote that she thought were funny as hell. And I can still remember some of them, like Jimmy Durante. I mean, really old school stuff. Vaudeville. I mean, that was her grandma, her mother and grandma's fun. So, um... One of the uh, jokes that she and I would use all the time is because we came from an incest and rape survivor family uh, and we got therapy and recovery and did some healing. Part of it is acknowledging the harm and having jokes about it that other people would consider really weird. For example, my, my sister Rachel Sophia and I have this really weird joke about if we say something funny but it sounds wrong or incestuous or off color like an abuse thing. We have a weird phrase we say that everybody else would go, that's really, uh, that's horrendously awful. And, you know, but they aren't incest and rape survivors. And to us, it's like we're acknowledging what is and what a relief that is. You know, so it's this inside joke that like if she says something or I say something that's awkward, we'll go eh, and we just say this thing and then we laugh and laugh. And there's at least four people in my family. Um, Rachel, Sophie and I came up with a stupid joke and they would say this joke at us. <laughs> So <clears throat> this is another one of those long jokes that me and mama had. Uh, so there was this British rocker channel on Conan O'Brien. Conan had this running gag of, hey, we have this satellite access that nobody else has here in this huge tower here at Rockefeller Center. So we're going to go ahead and show you some of the access we have on the satellite dish to these special channels. And he's like, oh, and let's go through the guide here. Hey, this is British rockers inappropriate channel. And then they show a scene, people at the water cooler, co-worker says something inappropriate, co-worker says, what the fuck was that? And then this British rocker just zooms in with the guitar and goes, inappropriate. And then it switches to a different scene. And then there's some family talk. And then somebody says something really off color, you know, something really bad. And, um, well, really, maybe I could say that differently. Uh, they say something that really... Sh uh, was inappropriate inappropriate yeah so then the british rocker walk, runs in and goes inappropriate so what mama would do is we'd be just be talking and <clears throat> i'd say something she said something and after i called her a weirdo in the session i said oh you you are a weirdo aren't you she goes i you come from a long line of weirdos you are queen of the weirdos you talking to me you're the queen of the weirdos she was laughing at me and then the last thing she said to me was she's like going i'm a weirdo and she just goes inappropriate <laughs> then she did the guitar lick inappropriate and the very last thing she said to me was anything else zesty <laughs> she called me zesty <laughs> and we'll pause <clears throat> uh, mom would buy zest soap i hated it just like irish spring soap because that was popular then um I had a pet parrot for 15, 20 years. Uh, smells and scents can damage them and kill them like a canary in a coal mine, right? So I got used to not having perfume anymore. I used to burn incense and patchouli. And, yeah, okay, I was a hippie girl. Okay, These days it's more uh, essential oils, lavenders and lemongrass and things of this nature. But mama used to buy that zest soap and it stunk. And then when you buy zest, it says deodorant bar and man, it smells to the high heavens yeah okay oh so she goes well is there anything else zesty she was calling me zesty which i don't think she's ever called me that but uh that fits because she used to buy that bar of soap 
and she always considered me, uh, she called me a card, called me a card. I said I had a little bit of a, an ego perhaps at times. So anyway, that was my experience channeling my dead mama. And, uh, you could take what you'd like, leave the rest, but there's a lot of concepts she's throwing at me that aren't my thought. Okay. And the only way you're going to know about that is if you've experienced it, right? Talk to channelers, look at professional channelers and what they do and how they talk about it. Um, is it Tyler Henry? He just will stare off into the middle distance because he's kind of in between dimensions and he'll have a pen and paper and he just draws. He's not necessarily drawing anything. It's more like you have to tune yourself. Um, I'll do that too. Sometimes I'll be like tapping or patting my lap while I'm doing my channeling because I'll be, I don't know how to explain it, but you have to kind of disconnect from your body or you have to have a rhythm somehow. And somehow it's like tuning. It's a tuning fork. It's like aligning your body to receive the message, just like a uh, an antenna, you know, because it's a frequency. So that was a good experience. I I'm gonna keep these notes at hand and at, just to check in on them. Uh, but it might make more sense as to why that shed in the back had padlocks on it. I mean, some of the things she was saying made sense to me contextually, and they are concepts I haven't thought of. Uh, but the concept of the landlord being someone who knew something bad had happened there, but just didn't want to clean it up. I thought that's kind of an interesting concept too. Well, hey, thanks for coming to the house on Valencia Street while we're exploring things here and checking out what might have happened at that place, huh? Please understand you're not alone here. You're never going to be alone at the house on Valencia Street. Sometimes it's uh, whether you like it or not, kids. Yeah. <laughs>